Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today, on this Wednesday, we are going to be continuing our journey in Numbers chapter 14, looking at verses uh, 26 to 45, finishing out this chapter. And I've titled our lesson today, 40 Years of Wondering. 40 Years of Wondering. And I think you'll see what I mean by titling that as we go on. So to reset the stage, what has been going on? Well, back in chapter 13, the 12 spies have gone out. They've spied out the land. Ten of them brought a pretty bad report, stirred up the people, got them complaining. The people have gotten angry. Uh, they've wanted to stone a couple people at least at one point, and they uh, are proposing different ideas on how to uh, go back to Egypt, select a leader for themselves. They're being rebels. And Moses has been praying to the Lord, and the Lord has responded to Moses. And now today, as we finish out this chapter, the Lord is going to speak directly to Moses and Aaron, and then he's going to really uh, reveal the consequences for the actions of the Israelites here. Now, uh, we saw last time, um, I believe it was yesterday, that we saw that Israel has tempted the Lord ten times. This was not a one-time deal. This was not a one-time lapse of judgment or difficulty in faith. This was persistent disobedience in the face of God's miraculous work. Numerous signs and wonders he had done on behalf of the people. Numerous opportunities. Uh, numerous rebukes of those who were involved in sin have the people seen. And they're still persisting in their own way. So let's dive in today and read this passage, and then I think we're going to see some really interesting and, and powerful observations and applications today. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from twenty years old and above. Except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness." And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity, until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days for each day you shall bear your guilt, one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought evil, the evil report about the land died by plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Verse 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. 
for the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. Now, now one interesting note before we go on. The Amalekites and the Canaanites were where we left off in verse 25 yesterday, which said this. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. The Lord was moving the people in order to protect them. But now, well, they, they want to go forward and, and fight them. So let's pick back up in verse 43. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt that dwelt, uh, who dwelt in the mountains, pardon me, came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Horma. Those that dwell in the mountain came down, drove them back. So we observe several things today from this little bit lengthier passage than we've dealt with for a while. We see, first of all, that an entire generation, excepting Caleb and Joshua, all who were 20 and above will die wandering in the wilderness. And this word wandering is so important. They're not just on the backside of the desert. They're not just wandering around the desert, wandering around a, a, a forsaken, desolate place. But they're, they're going to continue wandering for their entire lifetimes until they die. They will die wandering. They will not die uh, seeing the Lord delivering them from the wilderness. They're not going into the wilderness for 40 days like Jesus, coming out spiritually strengthened and ready for the next chapter. They're not going into the wilderness like David, running for his life, because it's not the season yet for him to become king. And the wilderness becomes a, a blessing and a time of growth and character building. That's not what they have going on. Rather, they're going to die in the wilderness. We also see another very, very powerful point. The little ones who the, the congregation, all the nation was saying, the, the little ones are going to die. Oh, the children. Pull the children guard. The children are going to die. They're going to be victims if we go up into the land. But the Lord reveals the little ones will not be the victims. Rather, they're going to be the victors. But they will bear the brunt of their parents' sin as they grow up, they, they will suffer hardship because of their parents' infidelity. We see that the 40 years of wandering were directly correlated to the 40 days of spying. It was a direct correlation why the Lord gave this 40 years of wandering around. We also see that the, the 10 stir-the-pot spies die by the plague. We see that the people respond to all this by mourning greatly. Once again, they're, they're, they're wailing, they're weeping. I mean, we don't know exactly, but they're mourning greatly. And what do they do? Well, they pull themselves up by their bootstraps in the morning, and they set their mind on working themselves back into the Lord's graces. Brothers and sisters, delayed obedience is disobedience. It leads to consequences resulting in sorrow, which in turn is tempted by presumption. Now, I know that's a mouthful. But every part of it has a point. We'll look at that in just a moment a little bit more. Our last observation is that we see that the people are defeated fighting outside the Lord's will. They're defeated 
fighting outside of the Lord's will. So our applications, applications. Well, I want to remind us of what I just read, uh, just uh, looked at in, in my notes here for our observations. And I think that's a very key takeaway by application, which is when we are mourning greatly like the people of Israel because of our sin, they even know it's because of their sin, we will be tempted to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to set our mind, our mind as a way of being tempted this way, whether by Satan or by ourselves, because we have a tendency to think too good and too well of ourselves, we have a tendency to try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and go do something in order to work our way back into the Lord's good graces. But we need to remember, delayed obedience is flat-out disobedience. You ever learned that hard lesson as a kid? Mom and dad told you to go do something, maybe clean your room or whatever, and you hemmed and hawed and you were being disobedient and maybe your parents were kind of gracious with you and kind of kept, you know, prodding you, you need to go do your room. But hey, you, you delay long enough and what happens? There's consequences, right? Maybe you don't get to watch your favorite show or, or maybe you've been putting this off for a long time. You don't get to go hang out with a friend and go, go on a play date or something you were going to have a privilege of doing. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's very deceptive, though. We think that we're just delayed. Oh, I'll do it eventually. But it's really disobedience, defiance, rebellion. Delaying obedience, which is disobedience, leads to consequences. And what's the result of those consequences? Sorrow, grief. And what does that grief many times turn into? It can turn into a temptation to turn to presumption, to presume upon the Lord. One person has defined debt this way. They say that debt is presuming upon, upon the future, presuming you're going to have uh, the same income or greater income than you have now to be able to pay that debt back in the future. And so they define, some people, they define debt as presumption, presuming upon the future rather than trusting the Lord for his provision and to wait upon him to see how he would direct. Many times, we as, as churches, for example, I'll just throw that out there, um, we can see that perhaps space is getting kind of, kind of tight, the church is, is growing perhaps, and we need to do something. Or, or maybe there's massive repairs that need to be done to the building. It could be the other, other side of things too. Finances aren't super great, and so we can be tempted in the church world to presume upon the Lord by way of, of taking on debt. And that, well, the future is just going to work itself out. We can pay this back. Now, this is not just something we see in the church world. It's something we also see in our own lives. How many young people uh, today take out a much too large mortgage, presuming that somehow everything's going to work out and they'll pay it off in the future, or they'll make more money, and, and then something like a pandemic strikes or something uh, unforeseen, perhaps illness or, or perhaps uh, the birth of a baby, and, and no longer... Do you have the, the income level that you had? And you start to feel the pain of that decision that was made by presumption. Or the same thing by college. How many people are excited about how quickly they get accepted into colleges thinking that, you know, this must be a sign. This is what I'm meant to do. Forgetting the fact that, that colleges, as well as lenders, to use the, the college application thing here and the, the debt illustration, lenders... Make money by accepting lendees. Right? 
colleges make money by accepting students. And in both cases, debt is many times uh, used to carry out our illustration once again, presuming upon the future that one day it's going to pay for itself. The people of Israel here are being tempted by presumption, and presumption is so dangerous. I think I beat that horse to death, but we need to be aware of the danger of presumption in our Christian life, both corporately as the body of Christ and also individually and in our own households. I think another thing that we very clearly see in this passage by way of application is, is a principle from the New Testament, which is childlike faith pleases the Lord and benefits us. It's the little ones who are spared from the decisions of their parents here. They're not accountable for the decisions of the, the majority of the multitude of the nation here. The, the children are going to be spared. And, and it points to the fact, or reminds me of the fact, that childlike faith is what we need to have. This generation that's going to come up, these children, we are going to see some enormous faith and faithfulness in them. And even though they have childlike faith, we, we do also see that they have to suffer some consequences of their parents' infidelity. They, they bear the brunt. They, they grow up experiencing this hardship and seeing this sorrow because of their parents' choices. But it becomes a benefit to them. It becomes a blessing to them. And then lastly today, by way of application, I want us to think of this question. Are we doing things for God? Like the children of Israel, are we attempting to do things, to get busy doing stuff for the Lord in order to somehow please Him or work our way into His good graces? That's a question that we may need to pause and really consider, because sometimes our motivation may not be that apparent to us. Or, rather than doing for God, for the Lord, are we instead being filled? Are we being? Rather than doing, are we being? Now, faith without works is dead. I'm not saying we won't have actions. I'm not saying our lifestyle won't reflect. But is it fundamentally coming from who we are, our actions from who we are in Christ, or from what we can do in our own strength for Christ? Are we being filled with the Spirit and walking in God's will? I would encourage you to do a study in Scripture. I don't believe the Scripture ever speaks of running in God's will. It's always walking. It's a steady pace. It's walking hand in hand with Him. There's really, in a sense, no rush. There is a sense of urgency to stay close to Him and abide in Him, but there is no rush because the Lord is with us, and we can walk secure by His side. Let's close in prayer today. Father, I thank you for this passage, Father. I, I thank you for as we continue to be learning lessons from the children of Israel. Father, presumption, failure, complaining, disobedience, they've all been true of us at different times in our life and perhaps even right now. Forgive us. And cause us to walk in your will by faith. Beginning right now. Not by our own power and our efforts to restore your good graces. But Father, by submission to you and your will. I am reminded, Lord, of the old hymn. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. 
bind my wondering heart to thee. Bind our hearts, Lord, to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by FMN, focusing on the Mark Ministries. Keep living a Matthew 6.33 life until he comes. Check out more at gen1 to rev22.com.